The Guardian. Crossley Holland, and this is a Guardian Children's Book Podcast. I'm at the Edinburgh Literature Festival, and the noise you can hear in the background is people talking, well, where, what, what else would they be talking about? They're talking about books. I'm here with Michelle Pauly to talk to you about my book, Bracelet of Bones. This is set in 1036, so we're talking, gosh, more than 950 years ago. And the central character is a girl of 14 years old called Solvay, which means son strong. And her dad has gone off from Norway, he's a Viking, down the river routes of Russia, to the town we now call Istanbul, but was called by the Vikings Beklagard, the great city. Although Solvay thought he was going to take her with him, things turn out in a slightly different way. And one night, she's up on the hillside. This is the short passage I'm going to read you. Up on the high ground, beyond her farm, Solvay leaned against a silver birch, as slender as she was, and she stared at the fjord, nothing but silver glitter as it snaked its way north, nothing but orange flame as it wound south and west towards the setting sun. There were flames up on the hillside too, the flame leaves of the shumac that had already scented autumn. In the springy moss around her, Solvay found plenty of blueberries, most of them she dropped into the leather pouch attached to her belt, but some she chewed until her tongue and lips were as blue as a changeling's. Then she lay back and linked her fingers behind her head. She thought about the battlefield of Stiklestad and how her father was haunted by the battle and always would be, and what runes she should carve on the shoulder blade she'd found. And she watched the bleeding sun slide down into the water. She shivered and wrapped herself in her sheepskin, the skin of one-eyed Hilda. When Solvay woke, it was broad daylight. She stood up and stamped like a colt to be sure she was still flesh and blood and bone. Then she swung her arms, rubbed the stars out of her eyes and yawned. Gazing down, she saw her own farm was still there all right. The hearth smoke was rising right through the turf roof as usual. Both cows lowed as soon as she greeted them and Calf, her stepbrother, chopping wood in the yard, ignored her as usual. Good morning and good morning, she caroled. Asta, her stepmother, looked up. Good for nothing, she grunted. Solvay frowned. Your father's gone. Asta smacked her wooden scoop against the side of the churn, and its slender stem snapped. Now look what you made me do. Gone where? asked Solvay. Hell, for all I care. Trondheim, you mean? They came for him. Came? Who did? Harald's man. Last night. Gone, cried Asta, and she spat on the marl floor. Gone to join Harald. Where? How should I know? East to Gartha, south to Kiev, and Miklagard. That's what they kept saying. But, but Solvay goes, he said... Since when, demanded Asta in an acid voice, were men and promises close companions? Wow. Thank you, Kevin. You mentioned Istanbul, Miklagard there. 
and that apparently is where you found your inspiration for the book, which seems an unlikely place for a book about Vikings. I suppose, to begin with, it was a great fascination with the Vikings because I retold the Norse myths when I was in my 30s and spent time in Iceland camping there with my two sons. Then when my wife and I were in Istanbul a couple of years ago, we knew that the Vikings formed the Emperor's Guard. There were between three and 6,000 of them, an incredible number who'd gone down through the river routes of Russia. And while I was in a great church there, I saw some runes carved on marble on a balustrade. And I can just about read the runes. And it said half Dan. And that's I knew was the name of a Viking. It actually means half Danish. And like most novelists do, I began to say to myself, what if? This was Solvay's and he was a bored old Viking at an overlong church service, and he started carving his name in the marble, a kind of graffito. And then I thought, what if he'd promised to take his daughter with him, and what if he didn't? She's 14 years old, she's brave, she's smart, but we don't normally think about women with the Vikings, do we? We think about men and their wars. How did you research what a girl might have gone through in Viking times? This is actually a book about the, the trading Vikings who go east and then south with skins and with amber and honey and a book with terrible dangers en route, um, not least negotiating some terrible rapids, cataracts in what is present-day Ukraine, just south of Kiev. I wanted to write a kind of northern counterpart to my Gatti's tale, a book I loved writing about Gatti going to Jerusalem, but I wanted a northern creature, a northern human creature, and that's my Solvay. And of course, being a girl, not only is she confronted by just the same problems that a boy would be, um, but also being pretty and blonde and attractive, um, she attracts the attention of men down the route. And so it's also about a girl getting to know her own head, her own heart, her own body. It's also a journey about yourself. It's a journey finding out about oneself. Also, I suppose you know, it's because I've got a couple of daughters who were just coming out of their teens, and so I'd had the opportunity to watch girls growing up at close hand, and it's something that I find absolutely fascinating, I suppose I was well. And the father-daughter relationship is central to the novel. It is, because as uh, Solvay goes on her journey, she keeps thinking, what is it to be a daughter? What is it to be a father, she sometimes thinks. Where have things gone wrong? Why did he go without telling me? Can I ever forgive him for this? To begin with, she's angry, then she's upset, then she's troubled and puzzled, and she keeps replaying it to herself. And actually, I wrote the book at the time when my elder daughter was getting married. And you know the way in which, rather, uh, rather inevitably almost, fathers have to step into the margins when their daughters marry some man. And they tactfully wait and watch and form their own opinion of the, the man that the daughter is marrying. Um, and so in a funny way, this is a book about a daughter searching for a father but it was written by a man who was a father watching and sidestepping a little while his daughter fell in love with another man, almost a father in search of a daughter. It sounds a very, very personal book, and it's also going to be it's the first in a trilogy, so you've got to keep that emotional energy going for, for, for two more books. Have you planned them out? The great leader of the Vikings um, in Miklagad in Istanbul was Harald Hardrada, who was an inspirational figure. He was six foot ten, 
floppy, long beard, a brave and fierce man. His character and the character of the Empress of Byzantium, who was a snake called Zoe, give me two very big characters whom uh, Solvay has to rub shoulders with in the second book. The big ideas in the second book are what is it like when Christians meet Muslims? In the first book, Bracelet of Bones, is what is it like when a girl brings the Norse myths, all the old gods, to meet the Christians? And secondly, can a woman, can a girl ever fit into a world of men? For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.